God, you are great. You're an awesome, loving, caring God, and you are a victorious God. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle that rages all around us and even inside of us. We pray today that you help us to understand how it is that our enemy operates, what it means that he's defeated, and how it is that you want for us to take a stand as your mighty army. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I first got out of seminary, I was at a church in um, Rochester, New York, and you, know, you, just, you want to change the world. You're all excited. You want to get out there and, and get involved. And, and the first month I was at this church, a, a guy came to the church that was looking for some help, some assistance. And he came to my office, and he gave me the story about how his life was falling apart, how um, broke he was, he needed money for this, that, and the other thing. And I was just a, you know, a, a brand new starting pastor with a lot of debt from, you know, from, from school and stuff. And, and, but I had 50 bucks in my pocket. That was my, my one-month allowance. And, but this guy almost had me in tears. I think he really, really needs this money. And so I pulled out my billfold, gave him the 50 bucks, and he leaves. I'm feeling good about myself, and I look out the window, and I see him jump into a brand-new Mercedes and drive off. So I guess I got deceived, right? And, you know, anybody here ever been lied to, ever been deceived? And you look in this world, you see so much deception, and you see so many lies, and sometimes we fall for it, and sometimes maybe even we ourselves are the ones who, who lie. And we see in the Bible that Jesus is truth. God's word is about truth. If God is all about truth, where do all these lies and these deceptions come from? And I'll tell you, it's a part of sin. It's a part of Satan's plan. There's an enemy, his name is Satan, and he's powerful, and he wants to deceive us. And today as we talk about the great deceiver, these words are not going to come from me, because I'm going to make you work. We are going to take a look into God's word, and so I'm going to ask you to take out one of the Bibles in front of you, and I'm going to have God speak to you through his word, his powerful word, and we're going to go from Genesis to Revelation, and I'm still going to get, get you out of here in an hour, okay? I promise. You'll be out of here by noon. And so Genesis chapter 3 on page 5. In fact, all the scriptures are going to be, you're going to see them on the screen if you want to work ahead to find pages ahead of time. I want to encourage you to see what God's word says, first of all, about how Satan does his thing. It's called bait and switch. Genesis 3 verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. What's Satan doing here? He's taking God's word and he's twisting it. Okay? Adam and Eve knew they weren't to eat fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden. But Satan comes along and says to Eve, hey, you know, you don't got that quite right. You see, if you eat that fruit, you're going to be like who? Like God. That sounds pretty good to Eve. And so what happens? She takes the fruit and she eats. Sin comes into the world through deception. Bait 
and switch. Next, we're going to take a look at Job chapter 1, verse 6. It's on page 789. 789. And what we're going to see here is that Satan has access in the Old Testament to talk to God in heaven. In the New Testament, after Jesus dies and and rises, he gets completely booted out of heaven and is on earth and hell. When Jesus comes again, it's called the second death for Satan. He's going to be locked away where? In hell. But we see here he's um, talking to God in heaven and talking about the work he's, he's doing. So in Job 1.6, One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, From roaming through the earth and going back and forth in it. Okay, one thing I want to make clear. Satan is doing his battle on earth. Can he be in more than one place at one time? And the answer is no. Satan can only be in one place at one time. Okay, Jesus can be where? Everywhere. Satan, as a fallen angel, gave one place at one time, but he has doing his bidding one-third of the angels who fell, who became demons, and demons are the ones who are doing his bidding on this earth along with him. That is his army, his henchmen, so to speak, carrying out evil on this planet. Isaiah chapter 14, our Old Testament lesson for today, on page 1081. This section tells us a lot about Satan's character, okay? What is Satan like? And I'm going to start with verse 13 in chapter 14 on page 1081. Um, actually, it's 108. Yeah, 1081. And the first part, Satan's called the morning star. That's one of the names that the Bible gives to Satan, is a fallen angel. Verse 13. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the Mount of Assembly, on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Emphasis on the pronoun, I. Satan is the most self-centered being that's ever been on this planet, so to speak. Okay, He is all about himself. And you look around the world, and you see so often self-centered behavior. That's following the pattern and the character of Satan. Next, we're going to jump to um, the New Testament, to Matthew chapter 4, on page 1499. And what we're going to see here is how Jesus dealt with Satan. Satan, once again, is going to do the bait and switch with Jesus, but Jesus is not going to fall for it, and we're going to see how he pulls that off. So, Matthew 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, if you have not eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, how would you feel? Hungry, very weak, wore down. He's at the weakest possible physical state and probably mental, emotional state he could possibly be. And now Satan's going to move in and try to go in for the kill. In verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone, but in every word that comes from the mouth of God. So each time Satan takes the word of God, twists it, Jesus comes back how? With the true word of God. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to a holy city. 
and to the holy city and said to him, stand in the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Say, say hey, you're God, you're, you're God. Jump off this thing and fly. Let the angels carry you. But once again, he's nuts. You don't put the Lord to the test. He's using the pure word of God. Eight. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. You know, Satan called the prince of the earth, has dominion to grace on earth, and say, hey, you can have all this kingdom. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. Every time Satan took scripture, twisted it, Jesus came back how? With the pure word of God. The word of God is key. And for us to know it and speak it and understand it. Okay, next. Um, let's jump to John 8.44, page 1663. This was used in our gospel lesson. As Pastor Allen mentioned, he's addressing people that had rejected him and rejected his word. And when you reject the word of God or don't know the word of God, you can become easily deceived by who? By Satan. And so we see again about the personality and character of Satan in, in um, John 8, 44. It says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. He's all about lying. He's all about deception. All about getting us off focus as far as what truly matters in life. And that's our relationship with Jesus. He wants to lie and deceive to get our focus in the wrong places. Let's jump now to 1 Peter 5, 8. And it's on page 1892. 1892. The Bible says that we are lambs, we're sheep. Notice what Satan's called here. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Now we're sheep, he's a lion. Even if there's all of us together as sheep and this one lion comes in a room, do we have any hope by ourselves? No, he's going to take us all out. He's going to divide us up, take us out one at a time. The point being, Satan is more powerful than we are. Okay? We cannot take on this battle by ourselves. And so many people do. They're not close to God in their relationship. They're not tied in to what God is doing through his church. And they become easy victims for the deceptions and the lies that Satan is continuously tempting us with. Okay, now we're going to go to Revelation. Remember I said we're going to start with Genesis. We're going through the whole Bible. Now we're in Revelation. Revelation 12, 10 on page 1926. 1926. In fact, we're going to start with verse 9 in chapter 12. It says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Of course, his angels being what? The demons. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation, the power, and the kingdom of our God, and the authority of his Christ. 
For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. Okay, so Satan's goal is to lead the world astray, lead us away from God, away from Jesus, away from God's word, and he wants to be our accuser. What does he want to accuse us of? Our sin. Okay? He wants to be able to accuse us of our sin. And this is why forgiveness is so important. Because through faith in Jesus Christ, because of what Jesus has done, we are what? Forgiven. Our sin is gone, and when our sin is gone, Satan has no accusational powers at all. Does that make sense? That's why forgiveness is such a special gift and something we should never take for granted. I want you to stay in the same chapter and jump to the last verse of the chapter, verse 17. And we're going to see who Satan wants to make his war against. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to make war against the rest of her offspring, those who obey God's commandments and hold to the testimony of Jesus. Satan's war, his battles against what? The Christian church. He doesn't have to battle against the unbelieving world. Why? Already has him. Already has him. Okay? His battle is against us. He wants to wear us down. He wants the church to be ineffective. And I want you to think about what's happening in our country. Okay? And I've been a pastor now for 30 years, and I've seen such a change in the last 30 years. Now, 30 years ago, we were still called a Christian nation. Now they're calling us a post-Christian nation. And what gets me about this is the vast majority of the people in our country, more than 70% of people's country claim that they are what? Christian. About 20% of our country claims to be atheist agnostic. Who is having to say? The Christians? No. The atheist agnostics are. They're kind of taken over in a lot of ways. Why is that happening? Why are the Christians being so silent? I think because Satan, to some degree, is having his way in our country. And a lot of Christians are getting their focus in the wrong place. A lot of Christians, they don't know the Word of God that well. And when you don't know the Word of God very well, it's easy to be deceived by who? By Satan. To start thinking the things that are non-important are important. And to start thinking that, and not seeing the things that are really important are not important to you. What's happening in our society? Think about what's important to you. Think about how you spend your time. Would God be pleased with how you spend your time? Do we spend a lot of our time doing things that really are not that important? Things that are not really tied in at all to the things of God, the things of Jesus Christ. We're going to take a look in a little bit about what Jesus did and how he prepared his army disciples to really make a huge difference and how he's got a huge plan for us. But the first thing I want to talk about is how we have the victory in Jesus Christ. That Satan is defeated. The same chapter here in chapter 12, take a look at verse 11. And it tells us how Satan was defeated, ultimately. It says, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. When Jesus died and rose, guess what happened to Satan? He was defeated. Jesus said, It is what? Finished. Done. 
Satan has been defeated. The war has been won. Battles are still being fought until Jesus comes again. The war was won by the death and resurrection of Jesus. His life, death, resurrection. But also now we have a powerful weapon. The word of testimony, which is the word of what? The word of God. It's so powerful. And we're going to learn more about now from his word what this means. And so we're going to go backwards now. Um, actually, first we'll go forward one more. We're going to Revelation 20 first. 20 verse 10, page 1936. And what we're going to see here is the final defeat of Satan. In 20, 10. And it says in that verse, And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur, where the beast and the false prophet was, has been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Satan's going down. But let me tell you, as he goes down, he wants to take as many people with him when he goes. Anybody here ever tried to rescue a drowning person? I have. In fact, um, even in, back when I was in high school, we had to learn life-saving. And they always said, when you try to rescue a drowning person, never come in from the front. Because if you do, what's going to happen? Probably two of you are going to drown. You come in from behind and you kind of grab on for dear life because they're full of, of adrenaline. They're like four times the strength. If you don't know what you're doing, two of you are going down. Satan's going down. He wants to take people with them when he goes. I mean, sometimes you see some of these crazy people. They're trying to take their own life, but before they take their own life, what do they do? Take a bunch of other ones out too. That's the mentality of Satan. Taking people with them when they go. But now, through Christ, we have victory. He's going down. We have victory in Christ. What does this mean? It's so we're going to jump to our epistle reading for today, Ephesians 6. It's on page 1824. 1824. There's a couple more scripture, and we're there. Now, Ephesians chapter 6, we read it earlier. I'm just going to kind of talk about the first verse and then remind you what happens after. It says in Ephesians 6, 10, in 1824, finally be strong, what's the next word? In the Lord and in his mighty power. No, don't be strong in yourself. Don't be strong in your own word. Be strong in the Lord, in God. And in his mighty power. And then it talks about put on the armor of God. Put on this, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the, the belt of truth, the, the feet clad to carry the gospel. Those are the defensive weaponry. But we have an offensive weapon which is called the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. That's the key. You want to send Satan packing? You want to see him in full retreat? We need to come out with the pure and full word of God. That is the key. And then it says at the end of the section, pray in the Spirit. Pray in all situations. Pray, pray, pray. The offensive weapon of a Christian is in the stance of prayer. Because when we pray, we're calling on the most powerful force in the universe, and that's the power of God. Ever feel temptation in your life? I'm sure we all have. Rather than giving into it, let your mind wander, the best thing to do is what? Pray. Lord Jesus, come and protect me. You know, or Satan in the, the name and the power of Jesus Christ, our demon, the power of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave. Ever try that? What happens? Whoosh, they're gone for 
few minutes, and it's, then it's like, they're back. It's a continuous, ongoing battle that we're in. Prayer is so important in being in the Word of God, thinking the Word of God, and, and living it out in our lives. And one more verse, James chapter 4, 7 and 8, 1, 8, 8, 4. James 4, 7 and 8. And it says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Okay, so the key is the first part. Submit yourselves to who? To God. That's the key. Not just Sunday morning, all week long. To submit to God, to his power, and to his word in prayer, walking with him. And that's the key in the spiritual battle that we face each and every day. I just got back from vacation. I was on, in Iowa for about a week, and I spent a week, I've been working on a book. And it's been just really interesting. And in Iowa, I went and did a, a wedding for my nephew named Nick. And for those of you who've been around for a while, Nick gave a testimony years ago. He, um, he fell into Satan's trap, into deception, into addiction. And so often that's how addiction works. Temptation saying, hey, try this. It's going to make you feel good. And what happens? Everything falls apart. Not just for drugs, but for a lot of things in life. And he was in a meth addiction. It's a pretty strong addiction. And he went into Randy's treatment program with Crossroads, his right track program. And five years ago, he found sobriety. But not only did he find sobriety... But he found Jesus in a very deep way. And since then, he's um, you know, been going around talking about sobriety and the dangers of drugs, but also talking about Jesus. And it was just so fun to be a part of that and see how God worked to deliver him from Satan's deceptions and the wonderful Christian woman he married and just the, the path that he's on. And to the book that I'm working on, I've been doing a study of Jesus as far as how he led. And it's been so interesting to go through the Gospels and spend hours and hours just breaking down what he did. And the main thing that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was what? Taught. Teach. Teach people what? The Word. His disciples, 24-7, for three years, taught them the Word until they were just rock-solid. And they went out and changed the world. And then Jesus says, go and make what? Disciples of all nations. He never said, just go out and make church members. Make what? Disciples. Make people that are on fire for me. Make people that know my word and are living out my word. And it's just so clear to me that so often we as human beings make things more complex than they really are. Jesus said, go make disciples. Two things. Baptize them and what? Teach them to obey. What's the next word? Everything. Not some things. Everything I've commanded you. You know what's happening in America today? A watered-down Christian church. Because a lot of Christians aren't in the word the way they should be. We're not following the model that Jesus established. And I want to make something really clear. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven. Okay, I want to make that clear. 
But now that we've been set free, now we know we're going to heaven, he is calling us to a higher calling. He's calling us to raise the bar, to take his word more seriously, to not let worldly things that are not important be so important to us, but let the things that he's all about be important to us. And the more that we do that, this life is going to be incredible. And the more our lives can be incredible, and the lives around us can be blessed too. And that's the key. God's calling us to grow, to become stronger. I want to bring this all together in just five quick points. The first point we learned today is that Satan um, is very powerful, and he likes to use bait-and-switch methodology. The second thing is he is more powerful than we are, and if we try to take him on by ourselves, we're going to get creamed. The third point is he has been defeated by the victory of Jesus Christ. The war has been won, battles are being fought. But the fourth point seems redundant, but it's really not, that we need to own this victory. The victory that Jesus won is not just a mental thing. This is for life. We're living in the victory of Jesus Christ, and if we realize that, our lives are going to be a lot better. You know, we are protected because of what Christ has done as long as we're living in him daily. And finally, we're called upon to do the things we've heard time and time again. You know, the Bible is not the most, like, you know, as far as if you're looking for a lot of excitement and new information, it's it's simple. Be in prayer. Be in worship. Be in his word. Serve. Witness. We leave here today. We are an army to keep growing and and realize that this world out there, so many people, they're living in the darkness to spread this message. It's so important. But my friends, let's not be deceived. Let's realize that God has given us his word. The more we grow in his word, the more we are going to see things a lot more clearly and the more we're going to have a lot more blessed life. So Satan is defeated, but my friends, the battles are going on. Let's go forth and push him back with the power of our God. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for loving us so much, for the victory won for us, and help us in our lives to live in your victory. Help us to walk more closely with you. Help us not to let things that are so unimportant be so important, but to help keep the main thing the main thing, which is our relationship with you. Refocus, recenter our lives on you. We pray this in your name. Amen.